Okay, it's Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. I'm being videotaped while I'm gabbing. There's a new thing. Anyway, my guest today is Rocket in Vermont. Hello, Pay attention, hello. Google it, Google him and see what he's up to. Um, we've become friends, oh, maybe a year or two ago, maybe? I don't know, Pat. I don't count. You don't get now. We're just friends forever. I don't keep counting. You know, it, well, the thing is, it's always quality over quantity. Oh, uh, what a be. guy. He knows the right answers to everything. I'm very psyched <laughs> to have him on the show. He has uh, done wonders for Vermont. And right after this, we're going to go do a TV show. So we can't get too tired here. <laughs> I've got a lot of energy. Yeah, I know you do. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You've been in Vermont since 2007. Yes, ma'am. And what have you been up to since then? Since 2007? Yeah, come on. You can do it. <laughs> well, I, I was born in California. That's where I, where I hailed from. But in 2007, I came out to the Putney School. I had long hair. I, I had a mullet that I was carefully cultivating. Oh, wow. And I wanted to drop out and be a drummer. My mother said, well, why don't you go to art school instead? I said, what's that? Showed up to Putney, and it was just so unlike anything I'd ever seen in Orange County, California. I immediately fell in love. Mm. So I came out, 15 years old, learned a lot there. It was a wonderful, wonderful place to be a teenager. You know, they tell you, uh, better or worse, you could be anything you want to be, and, uh, you, you know, have a lot of time and space in the woods, terrific arts program, small community, a lot of international kids, a lot of local Vermont kids, right. great mix. So I was there. I went to Middlebury College, studied economics, great experience as well. I'm grateful for that. Spent some time traveling here and there, but could not escape the beautiful vortex that is Vermont. has a strong magnetic pull. And so I ended up back here just before the pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, I said, well, why don't I stick around? Yeah, right. Where, where can you go? <laughs> well, I'll tell you though, Pat, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this in jest, but I, I've also, seriously, I've been to all 50 states. Wow. I've been to every one of them more than once. And, you know, depending on what it is you're looking for, you can find bigger, maybe arguably better nature out west. You can find bigger, arguably better cities in other states. But, on the whole, if you had to choose a place that had a real community, right. that had small communities where your uh, relationship with others mattered, where there was a sense of accountability and trust, it's hard to find a place like Vermont. And oh, Vermont's nice. got great air. We've got great food. We've got access to nature. Wonderful place. I love the state. That's great. Well, I know you do, and you're very excited <laughs> about it. So um, you have kind of focused a little bit on videotaping Vermont and focusing on its food. Mm-hmm. And um, well, how would I have to? How would you define Vermont's food? Well, I got to tell you, Pat, the local food is incredibly expensive. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh yeah, but it, it's um. Oh. Oh what? I need a little more space. I'm being told to step yes, away yes, from the microphone. Yeah, there you go. That's okay. a new one. Yeah. Usually it's get closer. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so the local food, you asked. Um, yeah, what is, what is Vermont's, when you say Vermont's food, what does that mean? Well, I, I think probably the the best aspects of Vermont food is the the locality of it, to the closeness we have from the producer to the consumer, mm. right? So when you have, for example, out in the Midwest or even internationally, 
apple juice that's being pressed in China and then shipped on boats to America. I mean, that's a long way for some apple juice to go. <laughs> but if you can just get it right, right here down, down the road at the orchard, yep. right, that's a, a short supply chain. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a direct relationship between the, the apple farmer in this case and the child that gets to enjoy the apple juice. I love it. And uh, and I think I mean there's there's something incredibly powerful about that interconnectedness that we have in on the local level. And when I say that it's expensive, I mean it is expensive, but that's part of the the result of the fact that we have such a small localized economy. We don't have these gigantic well I mean of course we do, but um we still consume food from elsewhere, right. let's say, but we're not our food system is moving away every year. Um, aspirationally back uh, away from these gigantic right. industrial operations where they do have economies of scale. They can yep. produce you know, food on in factory levels. We have it more localized where you have it on the individual scale where you go to the farmer's market yep. and um, and you can meet your farmer. I mean, that's incredible. Like that farm to thing. plate. I love it. Somehow it tastes better when you're in a restaurant and you see yeah. eggs from Joe's farm, right. you know, a quarter of a mile away. It tastes better. Yeah, I think yeah, it's I think mentally, it, but that tastes better. No, I think it feels better, but yeah. it also, I mean, if you think about, uh, let's say, uh, an apple or a tomato, let's say, a tomato that's grown in the south. By the time that tomato, in order for that tomato to arrive in Vermont ripe, it needs to be picked before, before it's ripe. Right. And so it, it it's detached from its mother, you could say, you know, the, the host plant, right. well before it's actually ready to go. And so I think there are many reasons why our food locally would taste better. I mean, not just psychologically. Oh, this is, uh, you know, Randy at Red Hat, and that's yeah, right. lovely, fun guy. Okay. Yeah, right. that, sure, that def- definitely adds to the experience of enjoying that bread. But there is also something about the fact that you can get the bread baked five right. minutes after it comes out of the oven. Right. So I think there's probably Still a warm. Exactly. You've got to love it. Exactly. That's great. Well, I'm glad that you love our food. Um, I guess I never – I think it is farm to plate is really what you, what you talk about, Vermont, because when you talk southern food, they've got – all kinds of, you know, recipe books and mm-hmm. stuff about Southern cooking. and um, But I like – and, of course, Maine. I, I spent a lot of summers. Maine is all about the sea right. and lobsters and all that well, awful yummy stuff. Pat, I just saw it, – it's – you know, I just saw my grandmother in um, California. Uh, you know, I was traveling and um, – she asked me if there was kimchi in Vermont. Kimchi is a very – it's a Korean yeah, staple. Right, it's right. a fermented cabbage. Yep. And uh, I said there is. In fact, we have more than one producer. Obviously, there's Sunja right here in right, Waterbury, right. but there are others as well. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm blanking on the name. There's one out of Brattleboro. They make this phenomenal kimchi. Wow. And I was telling her, I said, it's funny because some of my favorite kimchis in Vermont are produced by white American Vermonters. <laughs> and uh, to me, it makes no difference whatsoever. I think it's incredible that you I, do get this diversity of foods. Do you know the guy that sells the, the Korean food here, which is like a block away from WD? Do you know him? Which one? What? The one down here that you just pointed to, you, you mentioned their name. Sunja. Su- how, but, how, why in, in Waterbury, Vermont? Yeah. I mean, that is just so bizarre. That's pretty I'm cool. I'm glad he's here, but yeah. it's, I was so proud to tell you, but you already knew about it when you were here. <laughs> I'm like, guess what's right around the block? And you know where I, many of us know about kimchi from mash? Oh, yeah. Mash was the local, the local uh, Korean farmers were always making uh, kimchi on the, on the military uh, base oh, there, yeah. so we all knew what it was. Well, it's it's a pickled, <laughs> fermented food, right? right? So it's uh, it's shelf stable, right? Yeah. I mean, you you go back to ancient times, it's yeah, the salted, the smoked, the pickled, right. the fermented, and so it's sort of the way that 
that's great. The Koreans have preserved their foods. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I wish we do we have a Korean restaurant here where we could go and and get we actually used to have one in Montpelier but right. Jin mother went home. There's one down in Brattleboro oh. and there's one that just opened in Burlington. Burlington. Uh, yeah, uh, Burlington, South Burlington, right in that area. It's oh, we have to check that County. out. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. Do you to use go. garlic a lot? I'm I allergic. love garlic. Oh my god. Mm. Well, we can't do that. We can still... See, that's why we liked when Jin, who is a uh, woman who who works with uh, with us at Orca, mm. and her mother came over, and her whole family opened up a Korean restaurant yeah. right on Elm Street. And mom would make it without garlic for me. Mm. So that's the kind of – I was so excited. When you come over that. for dinner, Pat, I'll <laughs> the garlic too. Because it's oh, – do you know um, – oh, I, I just went blank. Um, they have garlic donuts. Garlic donuts? Yes, it's a staple in their country. Um, I'll have to I'll have to look it okay. up. My mind just went blank. But that I said, well, good. I can't eat any of their food. If yeah, yeah. Garlic donuts is a staple. <laughs> I'm in big trouble. There'll be no visiting. <laughs> anyway, so you just I, – I wrote you and I was very upset because you were over in Japan, mm. which you said you've got a lot of relatives there and friends. And, <laughs> I, right? I, I have friends there. Have friends there. Um, yeah. My family is all Korean by heritage, oh. so I don't know that I have any relatives Oh, I thought you said relatives, but that's I, I had said in my post, I said I'm, I'm out here in Japan reconnecting to my Oriental roots. Oh, well, there you go. But, yeah. Ah, there's so, that word Oriental. There it roots. is. <laughs> we have to chat about that. Well, we should chat about yes, it. Yes, we should. We're going to jump right in now. <laughs> Let's now, jump in. <laughs> um, tell us what we're talking about here. Well, you know, the uh, Orient, the Orient is the, the East, the Far East. And just as the Occident was the West, and to be of the Occident is to be Occidental, and to right. be of the Orient is Oriental. And obviously, its words change and the meanings change, and whether they are positive or negative or offensive or not, that changes. Well, one of the things in recent years has been that Oriental has been interpreted as an offensive term. Huh. Well, to me, it's not. To me, it's actually – I love the sound of it. And actually, it's split. You know, I do know Asian Americans who find that to be offensive, but I think – I don't know if it's just that they've been called it once or twice in an offensive manner or if it's uh, that they've been persuaded that they should be offended by it. So now that they are, I don't know. But I can tell you that a lot of my Asian friends, um, I had, there's a guy from Nepal who works for me. And I said, uh, what do you think of this word, Oriental? And he didn't even know what it meant, right? There you go. <laughs> and in Japan, I asked a friend of mine from boarding school. She's Japanese, but she has she works in a Western company, corporation in Japan. So she speaks English. And I said, well, what do you think of the word Oriental? And she said, what do you mean? I said, She said, it's like Asian. I said, yes. And she had no idea that there was any offensive connotation. There are many, many people, millions if not billions of Asians, Orientals, who right. know this word or don't know the word, and it's not offensive to us. And in Japan, it's used widely across different buildings. Right. You'll see it written, Oriental martial arts, Oriental this and that. So uh, I The think Orient was, Express. The Orient That's Express. That's on my bucket list. So I think people maybe have convinced themselves, you know, good-heartedly, oh, Oriental is for uh, inanimate objects, rugs or porcelain or whatever. Ah. But I don't know. I mean, to me, it's... It matters much more what's in your heart than, you know, in the intent because you can say any word. You could hate Asian people and then uh, beat me up and then I would say, well, dang, that, that's – I wish you had <laughs> just called me an Oriental and moved on with your day. <laughs> Leave it home. I am here with my guest, Rocket in Vermont. You've got to Google him. You're on everything, aren't you? Instagram. You've got a website. You've got a Facebook. I mean, I all think All of I'm his journeys. Mostly on Instagram and Instagram. Facebook. Do you know when I first saw you? The video you did running down the main street in Rutland. 
Oh, we were doing yeah. a video in Rutland. There's this guy running down the street, mm. and that's when I first saw it. I went, who is this guy? I, gotta, I think we should pause there and just talk about how great Rutland is. That is true. It's that a community, great yeah. – wow. They, they yeah. are ama- – that is an amazing, yep. amazing community in yep. Vermont. And I feel like they never get enough love, and uh, they have done such a f- – phenomenal job of reviving that town and to this day the downtown Rutland partnership and all the other auxiliary organizations that come alive outside and uh, and there's a lot of uh, the hospital is really involved and so many people I I don't even live in Rutland but I just am in so in uh, such great admiration of the people of Rutland that hospital is excellent it's one of the best ones we have here in Vermont it's excellent yeah and um, they they Established Project Vision. Do you know of this? It's sort yep, of a, yes. a multi-organizational yep. or, you know, operation to really address community problems at the root. Yep. Down in Hartford, where I serve on the select board, we are lucky to have just hired Greg Sheldon, who was on the Rutland PD. Ah, I knew the name. Yeah. So he's our new chief, and, and uh, he's been doing a great job. And, and he comes from being deeply embedded with Project Vision, so I'm really excited great. to see you know, everything evolves, including – local government and including police forces. And so I'm really looking forward to taking creative steps forward with Greg, you know, through our community as to what policing of the future looks like, which will be, yeah, hopefully um, modeled after some of like the, just the the really beautiful community minded elegance that's come out of Rutland lately. Well, they used to have, I don't know whether they do when I was running for the Senate, I'd go down on Friday nights and they would have a town wide party on all of the roads down there, or streets down there, and that was a hoot. Mm. Uh, entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, singing, music, dancing, whatever, and the restaurants are wonderful. Friday Night Live, yeah, they do right. that over the summer. Do they? Yeah. Oh, I love oh, yeah. it. The, you, people come out in hordes yeah, and in right. throngs. I mean, I feel like we pull half of upstate New York into Vermont. Yeah, <laughs> those the food, everything is <laughs> yeah. great. You're right about Rutland. It's, it sadly has a reputation for, um, for, yeah. for drugs, and, and, and that's just, that's one Sixteenth of what Rutland is, maybe. Right. I mean, well, this is the problem with news is that you can always cherry pick negative stories, and that's right. going to sell papers, of course. But then what it happens is that the inadvertent negative effect, accidentally, what they do is they create this whole perception of a place as being right. a bad place. Right. Or as, like, if you look at the world today, there's less war and less violence than there ever has been, yeah. and yet we're more aware of it than ever. And so it, it definitely takes an emotional yeah. toll. On all yeah, of us, myself exactly. included. You well, say. the same yeah. with Barry too, and I, I absolutely love Barry, and everybody knows that I make mm-hmm. no bones about it. It's a great, it's a great city. Yeah, Barry is great. great. I, you know, the one thing I wish about Barry, similar to Virgins, is that the main thoroughfare goes right through, so that's beneficial because you yep. get that traffic. Yep. But on the the downside, it makes it the pedestrian, like outside dining and patios, yep. it makes it a little tougher because of that. I don't know what the solution is, but I do yeah. wish. That one thing we could change. Yeah. And Barry City's got a really great city manager as well. New guy. And yeah. I had him on my show. He's got so Nicholas. much. And yes, and so Storelli much energy. Castro. Yeah. Excellent. And as a matter yeah. of fact, a little bit later on, um, a little bit closer to 11 o'clock, Tess Taylor is supposed to be calling. Mm. She has a new – she was a representative for that area. Mm. Um, and she's got a new job in, in Barry to talk about homeless I mean, housing. And mm. I'm, I'm hoping that she's going to call in because there's a meeting happening that she wanted to promote. Oh, okay, so, great. Um, so we'll get Barry, give Barry a shout-out if Tess calls in. That's great. Um, yeah, no, it's good. And, and anybody wants to talk to Rocket, you know the number. It's 244-1777. So tell me about this app of yours. What is this? Okay, so we're making a mobile application, like an iPhone app. Yeah. Or, but also if you have an Android, same. Um, this is born out of my interest in food 
and in technology. And one of the things that we are uh, – I'm interested in is how does technology help humans be more human? You know, how does it reconnect us and mm. support our lives in a, in a meaningful, positive way? And so that's – that for me is like – you know, I, for example, and this, I know I'm getting distracted here, but I love to tell stories. I love to talk, obviously, <laughs> and I love to tell stories. The best way to do that is in person. There's nothing better than just true. I agree here. with that. But in, if you can't do that, then what is the second best way? Well, it's to tell it digitally, and you put it online so other people can experience right. it and share in that story together. Uh, in that, so that's a, an example where I feel like technology has enabled. Myself, who loves to tell stories, to tell stories to more people that I wouldn't necessarily otherwise be able to, and for them to hear if they're interested, you know, as well. So I think that's a beautiful way that technology has served us. When I look at food, I say, well, are there certain ways that we can use technology to help people eat healthier, eat better, Great. be less stressed, save money, you know, all these things. Mm. And so I have I have a small company, and we have decided to take on this project to build a mobile application, which uses artificial intelligence. I'm sure you've heard of AI. Oh, yes. Everyone's talking Good about and AI. Bad. Good yeah. and bad. Yeah. And so I say, is there a way we can use AI to help people at home? So this, what you do is you create a little profile, and you set your taste preferences and your allergens. Your you know, do you eat keto? Do you eat right. gluten free? Are you vegetarian? Whatever. And then you should be able to take a picture of your refrigerator, and it'll produce recipes for you. Whoa. And if you, if you don't like the recipe, you can change it up. You can say, well, can I do something hot instead? Sure, let's make that. Instead of doing a salad, let's make it. a lasagna. And it will use the same ingredients to create a different recipe. So instead of having to think through it yourself and then go online and search endlessly, and then you know you got to click through all the ads and scroll right. all the way down, that's so annoying. And it's very difficult. And then all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, you need this certain cutter or this pizza sheet or whatever that I don't have. Well, that, that's such a pain. Or, oh, this recipe is four hours and I only have an hour to make dinner. Right. So our mobile application is designed so that right. no matter what your needs are, it will just produce the recipe for you and for your needs. Excellent. And then you should be able to save all those recipes up right. and then add items from that to the grocery store. Over time, it will get more to a grocery list. Excuse me. Over time, it will get a little more advanced, so you can take a photo at a restaurant and say, "I'd like to make this at home," ah. and it'll say, "Okay, well, can you take a photo of the menu and just let's look at the ingredients?" Okay, great. And then it'll say, "Well, here's what you have in your pantry, so here's what you need to buy in order to make this." So it's really just think about cool. it as a little chef that lives on your shoulder. Nice. You know, if your grandma Nona could yeah. sit on your shoulder and <laughs> say, exactly. like, remember to buy the mozzarella before you head yeah, home, right. right? Well, that's that's what this app is intended to do. And you should be able to, over time, be able to talk to it. Okay, how mushy should this be? Or what's the best way to cut a pineapple for this dish? You know, whatever it might cool. be, you'll be able to ask it questions as if you had a chef on nice. on the phone. I mean, they're not going to be. Able, it's not going to be able to cut the. You know, you're going to have to do something yourself. yourself. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a great idea. So yeah, so it's an AI powered kitchen assistant, yeah. and so we're hoping that that will help busy parents, you know, working parents, working professionals that just don't have a lot of time, right. students who are on a budget but still would like to cook and eat healthily, all sorts of people. Ramen noodles, sign me up. So we're doing a little we're, – we're going into testing very, very soon. And so if oh. anyone's interested in that, they can check us out on at Eat Vermont, which is on Instagram, Eat Vermont. Eat Vermont. 
or they can send us an email, hello at eatvermont.com, and, uh, or they can DM me, you know, Rocket in Vermont. There's many ways to find me. <laughs> I but love if you reach it. out, I can get you on our testing list. And um, we're, we're looking for all sorts of people to get on there and test it out, and give us feedback, tell us what works, tell us what, what they would like us to improve, and so forth. Excellent. What a great idea. Did it's you called, come up with this yourself? Myself, and I have a software developer who works for me. This Excellent. is the guy from Nepal, yeah. and he is a genius. Oh, wonderful. So uh, it's um, an exciting project, and hey. it's, it's called Stellar. 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 By Eat Vermont. Stella. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is that famous movie? Uh, Streetcar Named Design. Exactly. Stella. Stella. <laughs> Good for you. Well, I'm anxious to see how it goes. So, and I really have to ask you about Japan because mm. the reason is I have a dear friend who lives in Hokkaido, uh-huh. and her, her husband is a doctor there, mm-hmm. and she was a foreign exchange student okay. for the my entire uh 12th year in high school, my last okay. year in high school, and she came to our 50th reunion. Wow. The people went berserk <laughs> when she walked in. It's just amazing. So I do know how to do the tea ceremony in case uh, oh, wow. in case you need any expertise. I, I do. got it. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> so tell me about Japan because that's on my bucket list for sure. Well, you know, I, I actually had a big question of do I post about this at all? Yes. Should I, should I not? Well, it's called – my account is called – Rocket in Vermont, not Rocket in Vermont. Well, you're in allowed Japan. to take side trips. <laughs> what did you bring I back just to felt Vermont? Like, am I cheating on Vermont? Here? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, well, I took many photos, and the Japanese—they're so orderly and so respectful, and um, they're very kind people. Yeah. They remind me of New Englanders in the respect that day to day, when you see them out, they a little—they're a little bit—they um, mind them their own business a little bit. Except to a much greater degree. Um, the subways are clean. One of the funny things I saw and noticed was you, you can only smoke in designated smoking areas outside. They have really? a cordoned off area. It's a very exciting life this young man lives, leads. And he's, <laughs> he's very interested in small Vermont businesses in small Vermont towns. Uh, that's right. That's quite a little little topic thing here. Um, and, Pat, do, you know, uh, do you know where I came up with that name from? Where? Charles Corralt. Really? Yeah, you're on the road oh, with Charles yes. Corral. Right? So go. it's kind of that same case. Small yes. Vermont businesses. Small, small Vermont, Vermont towns. And boy, do they need our help. I tried so hard to put up a buy local this last year mm. when I when I realized that when the flood happened and the second flood was in the fourth quarter of the year for these people. Mm. And the fourth quarter is very important because mm. they have to make enough money to get through the first quarter of the next year because that's the slow right uh, that's the slow time for them and um you know we have to stop with amazon and all that other stuff just to get these people a break well and august is a huge tourist month as well right, and right. Uh, that was pretty devastating for a lot of the same businesses yep. yeah. and here they struggle struggle get back in business and the second thing oh, comes yeah. i mean it's like good yeah. lord Mm-hmm. It was really, and I, I think you mentioned in, in Rutland, there's so many, uh, Barry's got a group like that, Montpelier's mm-hmm. got mm-hmm. A, a great group that that works to revive these towns, and yep. they need our help and support. But anyway, so we did mention, besides all the wonderful things you do with your videographer and uh, and now your app, mm-hmm. you're also on the select board in your town. Yes, ma'am. Are you running for, you're running again? Yeah. And Well, it's it's been a... Um I, <laughs> I actually haven't decided or announced. Oh, could this yeah. be your announcement? <laughs> this, this could be, be my good. announcement. I, I am um, 
leaning pretty positively towards running again on the select yeah. board. I actually was giving a lot of thought to whether or not twenty you know twenty twenty four is a an election year. Right. So I was giving a lot of thought to whether or not I wanted to try stepping it up and ah. playing politics. Well, rather, I mean, that's I I actually don't like that phrasing at all. But serving the public on right. a different scale. Um, but I, I, you know, one of the problems, Pat, to be honest, is I don't I actually don't really like politicians. <laughs> Politics or politicians? Politicians. I, I, you know, if you think of politics as just sort of like um, trying to understand, like like a, almost like a game, you say right. we're, we're trying to achieve a certain goal, and now we've got to do take certain steps. Right. I can understand that, um, but I find that you know I've seen this on the select board. I felt it myself personally, and I see it certainly with other people who are public servants or politicians. What they say behind the scenes, and then what they actually go and publicly say, or the stands that they take in the committee rooms or elsewise on votes and yep. so forth, sometimes there's a huge difference. Yep. And I, I, when I say I felt this myself, where I can feel the pressure to say, oh, I should be a little more politically correct, or oh, you know, is this worth the fight? Right. Oh, I know a citizen might come in and shout at me for this. So you can feel these very human impulses. I don't blame anyone for um, feeling them. But I, I can say, though, that you incrementally, inch by inch, people will you know, make these concessions on their own value yep. sets or their, their beliefs, whatever it is. And my feeling is that they oftentimes end up becoming people that publicly are not the same people that right. you know privately. And yep. I'm sure you know many public servants. Yeah. And I'm not saying this is to everyone, right? But there are certainly enough of them that you say like, ah. And a really good counter to this, I was thinking just to put it positively – I know loads of like l- people who work behind the scenes, legislative council, aides, assistants, right. and so forth, right? They are very consistent about who they are privately and then their work, right? right. They seem to be through and through just uh, frankly brilliant yeah. and uh, no matter what their ideological positions are. I have found people on the left and the right to be focused, grounded, true public servants. Right. And I said, I like those yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's in the state house. I think most of my friends were the folks behind the, behind mm-hmm. the scenes because you're right. They're little. I don't know. They're just more fun to talk to. They're and not, got they're a not good seeking out, attention. On life, right? Yeah. Nor do they need to make re-election. Right. And they really are there to do the work. Right. And I think that's pretty um, incredible. And I'm not saying that public elected officials aren't there to 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 do the work, but there is something about it. I've certainly noticed a. Um, I don't know what it is, a personality type or a process that makes people a certain way. And I said, I don't know that I'm ready for this on the personal level or the professional level. I have a lot going on. And so I've kind of decided actually on my Japan trip that I'm not going to be running for uh, a higher a quote unquote bigger seat uh, or a, a higher rank or something yeah. like that. So now the question is, do I want to continue serving my community in Hartford right. on the select board and throw my my hat in the ring for this election? I mean, you know, I'm up for election. It's a lot of work to run even locally, and it is. You know, and you need to um, raise a lot of money and all that stuff. It's quite interesting. N- not for the select board. Really? I mean, yeah, you know, I just take a piece of chalk and I <laughs> <laughs> vote for me. Yeah, but yeah. I do think that. Um, you know, one of the things is when you're on the select board, you've got to live in that town. And I want to just make sure I'm living in White. I moved to White River from Addison County to go to law school, and right. I graduate in May. Great. And I, I fully intend to stay in Vermont, but the question is, do I want to stay specifically in White River Junction, right. or is it that I might end up moving elsewhere? Yeah. So I don't want to tie myself necessarily to community just for the service, nor do I want to abandon my service because I yeah. didn't think through 
my, you know, where I wanted to so go. So no plans to use your law degree or what are you thinking? Well, let's see if I graduate. Because that's, that's a huge, <laughs> that's a lot of work to get I've, there. I am still have one semester left, which is, albeit, you know, it gets easier over time. Um, the bar would be in August. And so I think about that. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I worry about though, Pat, if I don't plan to practice is how much, not just the law, but many different fields of life have become weaponized. Mm. One of the things that I love about, um, uh, let's say what we idealize about America in let's say the 2000s and the 1990s or, you know, or the old America, the great right, America. Right, but, yeah. but also you see this in other cultures is that you could just have different beliefs and not hate the other person. Right. And I, and I feel like we've moved away from that and people feel very heightened and on, on both sides and yeah. want to say, um, you know, we, we had this terrible incident in White River last week, which was there was a bomb threat called into Northern Stage. Oh, yes. And which is not only immoral and wrong, but it's also Ill- incredibly illegal. Right. But obviously, you know, it had something to do with drag story hour being taken. Oh, I read. Right? Yes, right. Now, here's Come the thing. On. No matter how you feel about a drag story hour or so right. forth, calling in a bomb threat is ridiculous. I mean, it's abominable. That's uh, a bad a bad pun. <laughs> I did not. That was a no pun intended. But no, but it's really reprehensible to yeah. do that, right? And and no matter how you feel, but of course, when you do that, how do you think the people on the other side who organize this and who support this right. feel? Well, they're going to feel more convicted in what they're doing. Right. It, it doesn't stop. We right. just punch each other back and forth. And and I think at some point we have to lay down our arms emotionally and say, how is it that we find common ground again? How is it that I can tell you that I? hate your ideas and I think they're absolutely stupid but I love you right. and I want to be around that's you. That's the way it used to be here right. in Vermont. Um, I had a lot of friends from the Democratic Party, all mm-hmm. the, the girl, the ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go out to dinner with them and everybody go, "How? what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going out with my friends to dinner. Right. And we just agreed to disagree. And as a matter of fact, the first vote I took on the floor of the House, I was completely opposite the, the, the women in particular who mm-hmm. I was very friendly with. And I thought, oh, my God, what are they going to do when I walk off the floor? Are they going to talk? You wouldn't even think I voted. They mm-hmm. just picked up where we left off, went out to dinner, and there you go. Right. That's the way it should be. Right. And it's like a definitely an emotional process to do that. And I think, you know, this is one of the things that I really like about Phil Scott being moderate and trying to find common sense and middle grounds. I, I think, you know, we've got to figure out our way back towards that. Yep. And I think that's one of the things that, for example, has – cooled my desire to serve right. I, at any level, including the select board. Because I say, like, is this really worth the madness? Yeah. I say, well, but service is service. I mean, service sometimes entails sacrifice. So I think that there is that aspect of it. But it's something that we need to think about as a culture yeah. and as a community. Well, we used to have this saying in the state house that the best bill is the third bill, your bill, my bill, and the compromise bill. Mm. But we haven't done that in a long time. It's your bill or the highway, or my bill or the highway. Right. And we don't leave room for compromise. And right. those are the best bills because maybe it doesn't reach to the exact place you'd like to be, but we come close and everybody's happy. Right. If you right. lean too far yeah. one way or the other right. way, then the boat tips over. Yeah. And I do. I am a little worried about the supermajority we have right now because yeah. I, I, I agree with some of the vetoes, the overrides right. of the vetoes. I thought that some of them were sensible, yeah. um, like the child care, for example, right. although it's expensive. Um, but, 
you know, for example, 16-year-olds voting in Brattleboro, you say at some point you're, you're getting a little trigger happy with right, them, you know. Right, right. And I, I think that's where you start to see like, OK, well and, – and I'll tell you why too. I want to just briefly touch on that. We say – we encourage people to vote. We say it's not only is it right, it might be an obligation, a civic obligation or responsibility, right. right? Well, then why would you push a responsibility onto a child? Right. So it's it's I totally understand wanting to let children feel empowered and part of the process and the dialogue. I think that's great. I mean, that's very much part of the Putney School ethos. But then when you say now you have this right, but it it also becomes an obligation. It's like, well, don't they have enough to worry about in the world? Like, I I mean, can't we can't kids just be kids anymore? Right. And I, I think that for me is part of it. Not to mention the fact that we, it is widely agreed in science that your brains are not fully formed until you're 25. And at 32, I feel like I'm still maybe still coming learning. out of the oven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you do all of this stuff primarily out of your pocket. You're sort of a self-funded kind of guy with your video. Yeah. Uh, but you've had a couple of grants. Some mm-hmm. people like the Chambers have given you money to do specific things for their area for promotion. Right, right. We It's more – we – fund that operation, the um, videography and the storytelling, uh, through a, a mix of um, contracts. So we'll, we do partnerships. We did one with Bar Hill Gin, for example, ah, and uh, great nice company, place, yes. great product, uh, really fun to go and tell yeah. that story. And then we'll do – and then different chambers will reach out and so forth. And then we've received a couple of grants as well. I mean right. Vermont Public was the big one. It was yeah. just amazing. That was $15,000? $15,000, yeah. That's amazing. largest grantee yeah. award. Um, that's great. Yeah, and they, and they were just an incredible organization. And I think it's – I really hope they are able to continue that program because I, I think one of the, the hallmarks of a healthy society is when you can have a robust arts you know, yep. and, and I, arts and culture. And so that they were willing to fundraise for that and to fund different mm-hmm. content creators to go out and tell stories was really amazing. We felt so blessed to be part of that. That's great. That's really, you know what you, we we're just talking about Don Stevens, who's the, the chief of the Nulhegan. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they I, did. Abenaki. Abenaki. Yeah. Abenaki. Yeah. Um, and he's the Nohegan uh, tribe. There's four tribes that have been recognized mm. by Vermont, and there's several others. But there is a, a tribe, the Kusak, up in Canada that's saying that our Indians, the folks that have been recognized here, are not really Indians. And there's a big deal going on here, which, of course, oh, I saw has gotten yeah. my ire up. Here's what I want to know is on July 4th, um, Ben and Jerry's posted about how the um, – the Mount Rushmore was on stolen right. lands. Oh, right. Wait, and, from, and, and you know what? Actually, I, I, it's not that wrong, right? No, because, uh, we're well, all. first off, all of America, right, was right. taken from the Native Americans. And, right. Um, but, and then my understanding is that they did deface this mountain that was a holy mountain. So, you know, there was some truth to that. Yep. But they were demanding that we give the, the, land, the stolen lands back. Mm. And then there was a big backlash because people said, well, Ben and Jerry's, why don't you start with your land? <laughs> So I would well, love to I mean, ask Don if he's got any yeah, land from Ben and Jerry's. We're on their land a lot of a lot of, and there's been a lot of recognition over over the years, recognition yeah. for the to the Abenaki. But I don't understand. I do understand what the Canadians are trying to do. They they say if you give money, they would like to have money go to the real the real Indians. So <laughs> I've I've been hot on that subject myself personally. But um, we just have a few minutes, and I don't know if Representative Taylor is going to call in or not to talk about what's happening in in Barry about the getting input on the flood. Mm. Uh, I mean, it is just tragic. It's I'm terrible. Sure. And I don't know if down south, if you had mud, 
But we had mud and Barry, I mm. tried to help. I lasted about an hour. It was like lifting cement and I am yeah. too old. So they gave me a, a less uh, physical job. They should have just given you a smaller shovel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a little teaspoon would have done it. But, um, it's really sad watching it's, these people struggle. Oh my gosh, it's heartbreaking. I, yeah. I remember coming up here in July. You know, I, I toured around state after the flooding and, um, went from, you know, Johnson through Waterbury, Montpelier right. down to Ludlow and, um, and just wanted to see it. And actually, I, I started filming a video that I we had filmed quite a lot of it, and I, I decided not to publish. Partly, it just didn't feel ready yet, and, and I also felt like so much of the coverage it borders on disaster porn a little bit, and and I think huh. it, it makes people feel alarmed and helpless. And right. um, I think at some point, it's just. Support. How can we support in a way that's actually meaningful support? And it was incredibly heartbreaking to see people right here in Waterbury, right, you absolutely. know, digging, just emptying out their homes, yeah. and to think that those oh, many of the same people got hit again is just brutal. Yeah, isn't that incredible? And I, you know, this is something that I have brought up in my select board in Hartford. It's funny because you know, I, I for my entire childhood thought I was this deep blue Democrat, and I campaigned heavily for Obama, and I have no regrets about that. And um, today I feel like I'm a conservative in Vermont, <laughs> even though my positions have not changed at all. I think the state's <laughs> and, moved a little on you. I, but one of the things that's happened is that, you know, with environmentalism, for example, you know, if Vermont disappeared tonight, there would be no change in the carbon output, the carbon emissions exactly. globally. Exactly. No, so uh, while I really admire the effort to go carbon neutral, I don't think we should do it for the sake of climate change. I think we should do it because every neighbor doing their part, you know, and as global right, citizens, I agree. because it's a model to say, okay, if we can do it, then maybe a bigger state can do it. I think there's good reasons to do it. But really, when you think pound for pound, dollar for dollar, what should we be doing with our money spent around climate? Well, it's like, well, let's prevent it preventatively helped these businesses and these these residents, these citizens get in a place where their homes are resilient to climate and and in a position where they're resilient to climate. So whatever that is, if it's, um, you know, uh, flood diversion, water control, erosion control, you know, if it's bigger culverts, whatever we need to do, I think that's really where we should spend our money around climate. And um, and I think that we should not worry so much about the political bonus points of oh well we went we got this great electric gizmo you know gizmo right. this or that um, gizmo gadget you know whirly <laughs> gig and so and I and I really think that these are not misaligned incentives they're not di- divergent sentiments but it's really important the way that we frame it and we think about it to say we're not doing this to save the earth. We're not, you know, we're not superheroes here. Right. We're doing this to protect our our own. Well, yeah. my sta- my statement is um, because we are so small that we could do absolutely everything we possibly could if we had the money to do it, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't change that needle one iota. Right. We are just too small. And and Campaign for Vermont just did a a, a, a poll. And people said they support climate change, but they don't want to pay for it. Sure. And they, it was like 70-something percent of the people mm-hmm. said, we get it, we support it, but we're not paying for it. Oh, my gosh. And so talking about Japan, you know, it was just there. Yeah. You you might – the Japanese are very clean people. But one of their greatest sins, in my opinion, is they use an enormous amount of plastic. You get a plastic-wrapped snack wrapped in plastic. 
plastic, wrapped in plastic, put in a, bo- in a box, wrapped in more plastic. Really? <laughs> so much plastic. So if we want to stop climate change, Vermonters should petition the Japanese to <laughs> knock it off. Well, I think China should be on that list too, no, exactly. I think. I mean, but my point is that there is – it gave me this great perspective of how big the world is and how yeah. big these challenges are. And I think that we can do our part. But the primary thing that we should do is to protect our own and protect yes, our right. homes. Exactly. Right. And from there we build – once everyone's got a safe place to live, we say, OK, great. What's the next thing that we can do? How, how do we improve the front yard, the backyard, yep. the street, the alley, you know? And the neighborhood, and I think yeah. really thinking on that small local level, yeah. which is something profoundly beautiful about Vermont, is how local we are, yeah. um, is a great way. And to you start. know what's amazing? I've said this, I think, every day I've been on the show. When we are in trouble, like the floods, mm-hmm. we universally come out of the woodwork to help, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's what what makes or breaks Vermont. We're there in emergencies, absolutely, and it doesn't matter who you are or or. Um, or, you know, what your allegiance is mm-hmm. or, well, except to the flag of the United States. That's an important thing. But um, just we help each other and we don't ask uh, what am I getting in return. We just do it. Right. So one of the things I'm curious about, Pat, is uh, – so this has been uh, – we, we were talking about Ken Squire off air. And, right. Um, rest in peace to Ken Squire. And um, – I was thinking about Noah Kahn. I, I heard one of his songs playing in a in a grocery store in Japan. I said, "Oh, that's Vermonter." Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> and, and I think these, we have these big legendary figures. You know, yep. Ben and Jerry, Bernie Sanders, and even John Deere, and you know all these. Yeah, right. John Deere. Yeah, right. you know many, many. I mean Joseph Smith and so forth. But the question for me is, how do you? How can we make it so that you know, on a societal level, individual people feel empowered? Yeah. And um, and that, that we, we in each of our own ways can contribute to the best of our strengths and abilities, right? And the one thing that is we can as individuals, it's true in Vermont, you can make a difference if you get involved. In the legislature, I have seen when I was in motor vehicles, this guy had an idea for motor vehicles. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good idea, which – and he went up, talked – Bill Doyle, Senator Doyle was the first person he talked to and – he got a pa- he got a bill. Bill put it. Bill put in a bill, mm-hmm. and got a pass. And there you go. Oh. And you can you can do that in Vermont. There, our legislators are accessible, right? And they'll listen. Now, Pat, one thing we didn't talk about this. I, I know we're winding up on our time yeah. here, but is um is education in Vermont? Oh, that's another. Oh. I, I think this is a huge issue in yep. Vermont, and I I am really concerned that students, yep. including students at Vermont Law, where I go to school, right. are paying a lot of money or getting. Uh, taking out enormous amounts of debt and not getting anywhere close to the value yep, that they I, should for the dollars spent. And we have leadership problems at Vermont Law. We have leadership problems, obviously. I, I saw Norwich uh, University yep. president step down. Vermont State University has had issues. I mean, this is something that we need to have a bigger conversation about. There's that music. You have to come back. That's a big topic here on education. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Not, yes, and we're going to go on the uh, on the TV in another 20 minutes. We'll be videotaping out at Orca. I can't so wait. So stay tuned for that. Maybe we'll talk education. That'll shake them up. Hey, thanks anyway, for having Anyway, thank back. you for listening. Um, I'll be back next Thursday. Um, oh, and can I say, if there's anyone out there that has feedback for my work or want to invite me to different parts of the right. state, I, I would love that. You can find me on online on Rocket in Vermont. Rocket in Vermont. Right. What did I say? On Vermont? That's uh, How can you be on Vermont? <laughs> but in Vermont. And he's a good friend, and um, anything you can do to support he and his work. And he's uh, certainly involved in his community. Attorney that you're going to, goodness gracious. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, much, we got to wrap it up, y'all. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. See you next Thursday.